Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, William Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors uh, hold on against New Orleans Pelicans uh, for a wire-to-wire win, uh, taking it by a score of 115 to 110. Um, yeah, just wow. First off, a really, really fun atmosphere here. Uh, Caribbean Heritage Night here in Toronto. It was amazing. I think we really celebrated it right. But I think what was really right was also the product on the floor. I mean, the Raptors tonight defensively, until I would say the the, the midway through um, the third quarter where the Pelicans started to get going a little bit, largely through CJ and then Brandon Ingram down the stretch, it was just a, just a killer. Um, but the Raptors defensively were looking very, very strong, and they should be, really. When you look at the lineup on paper, the Raptors should be a very, very good defensive team. And outside of the Pelicans at one point having a 15-to-1 disparity in, in foul attempts uh, midway through the second quarter, um, you know, the Raptors were just locking everything down on defense in the first half. And, of course, second half, the Pelicans started to get going. But, yeah, the, the Raptors were able to lead this game pretty much throughout, uh, even though the offense was, was strange, even though the offense was strained um, just based on the roster construction, but also based on the fact that Fred VanVleet uh, had to miss the game very, very last second, very close to tip-off. Uh, due to personal reasons, so hopefully everything's good with him there. Um, but yeah, the offense was a little bit hard to come by, but at the same time, the Raptors' defense was able to carry them. And when you think about some of the biggest plays down the stretch for the Toronto Raptors, it was OJ Anobi jumping ahead and stealing a cross-court pass and taking it in for a dunk, right? We see OG do that once or twice a game. We just take it for granted. We've been missing that from, from the team. And OG makes that dunk. That was a 10-point lead with uh, three minutes left. Just an absolutely massive play. Jakob Pertl with an incredible f- sequence right before that where, you know, he finishes a layup um, on the roll. Nice little reverse finish in the, in, in the lane. Um, then Jakob with a uh, putback in traffic uh, on the next possession. And then the next time down, uh, the Pelicans look to have an open dunk with uh, Josh Richardson driving in from the baseline, except Jakob Proto flies in and meets him right at the basket, contests it, clean, a block at the rim. So that was the type of defense the Raptors were able to play down the stretch um, and throughout the game. And honestly, even when you think about, you know, some of the plays the Pelicans are making, I mean, some of those, it's like what uh, Nick Nurse was saying pregame when he was talking about how, look, Ingram is just a premium shot maker. Like, you can do your very best against him, contest him, force him into tough shots, force him into the mid-range, that guy can still hit it, right? And OG Anobi, you wouldn't pick any other defender in the league to cover in that scenario. And OG, I thought, did a really, really admirable job defensively, even with five fouls on him uh, for the majority of the fourth quarter. But he checked back in around seven minutes, and his job was to cover Brandon Ingram, who was red hot at that point and just got hotter. And he forced him into very, 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 very contested shots. But, you know, <laughs> Ingram's just able to make them. And, and he is a premium shot maker in that way. And I think Nick was absolutely right in that call. And listen, Ingram took the Pelicans as close as he really could. I mean, he made a string of heavily contested jumpers, some contested threes as well. I think the Raptors were, if you look back on the film, they got to be a little disappointed in some of the walk-up threes for Ingram or walk-up threes for CJ McCollum. You got to have your hands up against these guys at all times. It's not even like the Pelicans had anybody else who was making threes for them tonight. Um, They had eight of the Pelicans' 13 threes. Um, So, you know, you really needed to, to, to contest against them. But a lot of those were contested looks. And you know, they they almost pushed the Pelicans over the top there. But the Raptors um, on the final sequence offensively, Pascal had the ball, drove, attacked, um, got into the middle of the floor. It wasn't even like the Pelicans, like, tilted over that much against them. 
but Pascal was just able to make that extra pass out. Um, and Gary, even though his man wasn't that far away from him and still had a hand up and it was a contested look, Gary Trent was able to make the three. And it was funny because I thought over the course of the game, Gary was really out of rhythm. It didn't feel like he could get his shots easily. I thought the Pelicans did a good job of contesting him. Um, but at the same time, I thought Gary just wasn't able to find his normal shots within the flow of the game. And yet he's able to make three threes for the Raptors, which is the most on the team. And yet he's able to make the biggest three of the game, which pushed it to a five point lead um, under 10 seconds left. And that's where the Raptors would hold it. And that's where the Raptors would take it at the very end. So I, I think for me personally, it's just, you know, I really, really liked seeing the effort from the Raptors like they played. Um, defense at a level that I, I really enjoyed seeing. I think that's been the biggest issue for the Raptors all season is their inconsistency on defense for a team that, you know, when you look at across the, the board, like they're really good defenders. Like even look at the eight man rotation, the Raptors played tonight. Right. And this is with Nick Nurse having to literally change it up last, last second. We're talking about like 10 minutes before the tip off. We hear that Fred Van Vliet's out for the game. And this wasn't like some, no games for the Raptors. I, I really do think that something happened, but um you look at the lineup that the Raptors played. Eight-man rotation goes Pascal Siakam, OJ Anobi, Scotty Barnes, Jakob Pertl, Gary Trent Jr., Chris Boucher, Precious Achua, Jeff Doughton Jr. Out of all those eight guys, who is the weak link defensively, right? You might say, okay, Gary occasionally here or there, or you know, maybe Chris gets a little bit wild, or, or maybe he gets trapped behind JV in the post. Uh, if those are your biggest problems, you have a really, really strong defensive group out there, and that's the strength that they're able to ride. Now, offensively, that was where... The Raptors had to do a lot more of the negotiating. Um, it was sort of, you know, um, touch and go. I thought at the start of the game, the Raptors offense was really ugly because they tried to run a lot of their usual pick and roll sets. And that just wasn't going anywhere. I think, you know, if you had Fred available in this matchup, they probably would have ran a lot of traditional 1-5 pick and roll with Fred handling and Jacoproto screening. And the goal is to bring JV into the, the play. And obviously, JV is, is very heavy-footed. We've seen that from his time with the Raptors. We Obviously, he continues to be so with the Pelicans. Um, you know, you bring him into those pick-and-rolls, and you let Fred either drive downhill and attack that gap, or you let him you know, shoot for the pull-up threes, force the Pelicans to switch out and, and meet him at the three-point line, and then you're able to you know, make plays from there, right? But the Raptors' pick-and-rolls weren't able to offer that same threat when you're running it with Scotty Barnes, who's not really a threat to pull up for three, um, or you're running it through... Uh, you know, a lot of uh, touches for OG. And I think the Raptors were very intentional about how they wanted to get OG extra touches coming back from injury, get him settled in early. I thought that also stalled the offense a little bit. But ultimately, they were still able to get other kinds of looks. And I think a lot of that was them crashing the offensive rebounds. That was all, also a lot of guys just taking a strong to the cup. And I thought um, even though Scotty had a bit of a slow start in the first quarter, I thought he really started picking up in the second. And I, I really liked the way he played throughout the rest of the game. Very balanced effort. Very tough assignment, too, against um, guarding C.J. McCollum. Like, every single play for the Pelicans was pick and roll for C.J. McCollum or pick and roll for Brandon Ingram. They don't run anything else in this whole game, right? You know, the occasional little post up for J.V. if he's got, you know, Chris Boucher pinned in the post, but even J.V. wasn't touching it that much. Um, none of these other guys are really doing anything other than bringing the ball up and, and tossing it to one of their main guys. And, and that was it. C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram. Possession after possession after possession. And so you needed OG to guard Ingram, and then you needed Scotty Barnes to guard CJ McCollum. And I thought Scotty, for the most part, I saw from two plays where he had his hand down while CJ was was at the three point line, and both times he was able to pull for three and make them. I thought Scotty did a good job of, of covering CJ. I thought only CJ got going a little bit there towards the end of the game where he started getting downhill in the pick and roll scenario. 
which isn't entirely even on Scotty because he's getting screened in a lot of those plays and he needs help. But I thought the way Scotty ran the offense was, was, was really good. I thought, you know, he was able to pick his spots here or there. I like that he started taking the open threes too. I mean, you know, it was a clear message from Nick both at practice yesterday and also a pregame today talking about how with this group, you're going to need to see OG take more threes. You're going to need to see Scotty Barnes take more threes and even Pascal Siakam take more threes. And although the three of those guys combined for four of 17 from three, which obviously is not good, uh, and most nights that could sink you, the Raptors were, I, I liked the approach. I liked how they took those shots. I, and, and, you know, I thought maybe when it was OG and Scotty taking pull-up threes at the start wasn't a good idea, and that sort of tanked their percentages. But OG got a lot of good looks. These are, you know, when you go back and watch his one of eight shooting, right, it's going to look ugly because he missed a lot of these. But A, he just came back from an injury. B, he had um, an injury to his his left wrist, which, you know, I don't know how much that specifically affects the shot. Obviously, you're shooting with the right, but, you know, it's still your guide hand. Maybe that throws you off a little bit. Uh, but more than anything else, when you look at the attempts, they're good attempts. There's at least six very solid catch-and-shoot threes from the corners here that OG wasn't able to make. And those are attempts you're going to continue to want to see him take. And then Scotty, who was actually 204, I like the attempts that he started to take after the first quarter as well. There was one where JV was sitting back off of him. Scotty knocked down a three in his face, uh, and I love that. And another one was a catch and shoot as well. So, you know, um, the approach and the messaging was heard. You know, it, it, Nick says it, and the, the players go out and, and executes it. And look, the next step execution obviously is making better than four of 17. But still, that approach was good. Um, and then, of course, you just... You're going to have a ton of possessions go through Pascal. Like, that's just a normal game anyway, and I thought he did a really great job of getting to his baskets. A lot of these were contested looks. A lot of these were um, heavily guarded. The Pelicans do have a, a pretty capable roster of switchy, long wing defenders, right? Herb Jones, all we've heard about last year was, oh, Herb Jones is amazing. Herb Jones is this. Herb Jones is all defense, all this other stuff. Pascal against Herb Jones you know, he wanted to attack that matchup. I think that says everything, right? He really, really wanted to go at Herb. And it's not like Herb didn't have a stop here or there. But at the same time, I thought Pascal was able to get him in the air, lift him, get him, you know, um, get to his spots, get to his shots. Uh, same thing with uh, Najee Marshall off the bench for the Pelicans, another guy who can be disruptive defensively. But Pascal was able to get to his spots. And I, and I really liked it. You know, the, 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 there was a couple of spin moves, obviously, in the lane. One where he beat three defenders, beat his man, then spun around the two help defenders for the for the layup. That was beautiful. Um, he had another really good spin move in the first quarter as well. But, you know, a lot of the times, Pascal was also getting double team and triple team. And that's where the Raptors had to figure out the rest of their spacing, especially on a night where the Raptors only shoot 9 of 31 from three. And obviously, Fred being out is a big factor there because he's your best three-point shooter. Um you are still going to have to be able to find ways to play out of that. And I thought the Raptors did a great job of stationing, whether it was Precious um, as the short roller, whether it was Jakob Proto as a short roller, whether it was Scotty Barnes as a short roller. Those guys all positioned themselves well to receive the pass out of the double team from Pascal in the post, and they were to play through that. You know, a couple cross-court passes, all that kind of stuff. Um, just moving the ball to the weak side. Once you draw the double team, even though the, the rest of the Raptors aren't great shooters, You've done your job as Pascal Siakam. I, I think he did a really great job of getting the ball out of the post. Now, only five assists tonight um, is is not indicative of the way he was willing to pass it. But at the same time, you know, I, I thought it was it was good process on offense. Obviously, when Pascal had single coverage, take the shot. You live with the make or miss. That's your best shot in, in your half-court offense. 
if they send a double team, how do you adapt to that? And the Raptors kept their turnovers low. 11 is pretty good, especially on a night where your starting point guard is out of the game. Um, but also at the same time, the Raptors were able to to move the ball effectively. And that's where you got a situation where you're starting five, like everybody's finishing in double digits. Pascal with 26, OG with 12, even on a night where he didn't shoot it well at all, still 12 points. Scotty Barnes with 18 very efficiently as well. 21 from Jakob Pertl and 18 for Gary Trent. And you know what? That's where you have to start mentioning Jakob Pertl because I thought over the balance of the game, he did a really great job. Um, on defense, it, it's a true difference maker. He's really disrupting a lot of shots at the basket. I thought the Pelicans really could not find a way to get to their shots and get to the paint with Yak in the first half. Second half, I thought they did a much better job. I thought CJ was much quicker or more decisive on the pick and roll, was able to get downhill on the screen, and he was able to you know play in situations where he can sort of go one-on-one a little bit. And so sometimes you would see Yak attacked in that sense. You also saw Yak attacked in the fourth quarter when Brandon Ingram was handling on the pick and roll, and he would get the screen from JV. Uh, Jakob wouldn't step all the way out to the three-point or wouldn't switch out, and Ingram would get to his mid-range. And, and get even though those are contested, Ingram is able to make a lot of those shots because he's just got such great length and, and uh, he's very rehearsed. Clearly, he's very rehearsed and he has great soft touch as well. But other than that, I, I thought you know Jakob did a really great job defensively First off, the rebounding was very strong. The Pelicans are a team that can really hurt you on the offensive glass. Yes, they don't have Zion, who's obviously, you know, a, a, a great rebounder in addition to a, many other things. But JV's a really good offensive rebounder. Larry Nance is a really good offensive rebounder. And yes, I thought the Pelicans were able to crash in here or there for some rebounds. And I feel like they scored on all of their offensive rebounds. But at the same time, limiting them to only six was really important. Meanwhile, I thought... Um, yeah, just Yak's defense at the rim, Yak's disruptiveness on the pick and roll. It, it was really, really good. And then offensively, I mean, you wouldn't really expect to ever see this, but Yakaproto was the Raptors' leading scorer in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, it, it, it were so many plays and sequences where it had to be, um, you know, Yak going in for a putback, Yak going in for a pick and roll finish, Yak going in for uh, another tip back here or there, you know, Yak, you know, uh, getting open in the middle of the lane, Pascal drawing two defenders, stringing them out to the perimeter, and then a feeling a high-low pass to Jakob, who gets intentionally fouled. Like, he was the bulk of the Raptors finishing, right? Now, he wasn't obviously given the ball to sort of go. I thought there was one opportunity he tried to work with the give-and-go with Scotty, and it didn't fully work out, although I liked the shot. Um, but for the most part, he was just around the basket. And whether it was the Raptors getting the ball to Pascal on the post, drawing the double team, the, the kick out to the top to Scotty, who reverses it into the corner for OG, open three-point look. Would have been a great shot if he made it, but he missed it. But Jacoperto's there on the putback, and he's able to finish and get the and one. Like, stuff like that. I thought the Raptors just did such a good job of positioning themselves. And for Yak, it was just being in the right spot at the right time. But there's a real skill in that, right? He had seven offensive rebounds. That's more than the entire Pelicans as a team. And the Pelicans have good picks. The Pelicans have lots of size, too. When you look at it, the Pelicans started just as much size as Toronto did, right? Like JV and Jakoproto, same size, right? Gary Trent and uh, CJ McCollum, same size. Josh Richardson, okay, yes, he's a little bit shorter than OG Anobi, but Brandon Ingram is a little bit taller than Pascal, and then Herb Jones and Scotty Barnes. Like, you know, like, th- th- that's a big team. Um, the only small guy that the Pelicans started was Jose Alvarado, who um, was actually the first person in the gym today. Congrats to, congr- I always really admire when guys are the first guy in the gym. He was there at like five o'clock and already warmed up. Um, but it, regardless, like the Pelicans have a lot of size and Jakoproto single-handedly out-rebounded them on the offensive glass. In addition to that, he had so many of those were putbacks as well. So 
I mean, it's it's not necessarily the ideal situation, but at the same time, you know, he's in the game. He's able to close it out for you. He's able to do a lot of the scoring for you. And not only that, I mean, even some of the stuff in terms of the free throws. So obviously that free throw shooting is an issue for Jakob Proto, right? You look at it, he's shooting a one-handed free throw, and it's still not going in, right? Um, you know, he only shot three of seven from the free throw line today. I think, you know, just since coming to the Raptors, he's probably around 50%. But when you think about it, you just need a couple of key shots to go in, right? There was a play where he got fouled. The Raptors were up three, and this is in the last minute. And even though he went one for two, even making that first one to turn it from a one-possession game to a two-possession game was absolutely massive, right? And, and so I, I just thought he did so many nice things connecting the play for the Raptors. And, yes, he picked up five personal fouls. To be honest, if they're going to drive at you the whole entire game, you're probably going to pick up five fouls, Right. And the way the Pelicans were getting officiated, you know, I thought, you know, Ingram and CJ were getting a lot of calls early in the game. And it made it very clear you can't really touch these guys. And that led to them, obviously, being able to be more free. And they're able to combine for 59 points combined, right? So, you know, uh, it it was not easy to guard these guys. But still, I thought Yak held his own defensively. Definitely um, had a lot of really good stops against JV in the post as well. And, yeah, just overall, I I thought Yak was just a phenomenal player. Um, when you look at the stat lines that he's put up recently, um, obviously uh, we didn't necessarily get Jakob Pertl for, you know, this type of production when we're talking about a game where he has 30 and then there's a break and then comes back and he's got 18, he's got 21 and 18. Like we can't necessarily get used to this um, because that's not going to be consistently the case. However, I think he's just, he's just there making the right play. Even a play where, you know, the Raptors get the stop, Jakob Pertl jumps in, around two Pelicans, gets the defensive rebound. Larry Nance mugs him from behind, like literally mugs him. Like he literally puts two hands around his head and and yanks him to the ground and tries to tire the ball up. And whatever, call it a jump ball, right? You know, the crowd was pissed. Everyone's chanting, you know, refuse suck, which, you know, just as you would. It's a home crowd, right? And I was never worried because I'm like, don't worry, Jakob's still going to win this tie-up. Like he's going to win the jump ball. And he did. And he wins the tap out, taps it to his guys. He just makes the right play. And and those small little things really added up because the Raptors could have collapsed in this game, right? Since coming to the Raptors, Jacoproto is the Raptors are three and one. They should be four and oh because they had that collapse against Utah. They almost had that collapse against Detroit. And they almost had a bit of a collapse against the Pelicans as well. But ultimately, in a fourth quarter in all those games, when Jacoproto's been able to play and not fouling out, pretty key in all these performances. And that's really just a huge testament to him. Like he's already flipped a lot of these games where the Raptors would have lost, whether that's the Orlando Magic game where he has 30, right? They would have lost that game without Yak. I'm serious. Right? They, they would probably have lost that game to the Detroit Pistons too. It wasn't for Yak. And in this game, clearly he was one of the best players on the floor. You got to tip your hat to him, right? He's already giving that, that kind of production. And I thought, look, everyone else looked decent in their roles, right? I thought in the guys off the bench with Chris Boucher, Precious Achille, Jeff Downton, for Chris, I mean, play of the night. Play of the night, right? Where he rips down a rebound, realizes nobody's covering him, realizes that the Raptors have numbers as he pushes. He brings the ball up. He reaches full speed about half court, takes and picks up his dribble a solid 10 feet beyond the three-point line, takes two gigantic Chris Boucher-length strides, takes off with a foot just inside the free throw line, right? Just inside the free throw line. And dunks it. He does a free throw line dunk in game. I don't know how many times I've seen that, but that is truly, truly freaky stuff from Chris Boucher. And um, yeah, I mean, just just completely brought the house down. And then going back the other way, he blocks the three 
uh, attempt by the Pelicans at the end of the third quarter. What a way to set yourself up for a strong finish in the fourth. And that was during a quarter where the Raptors uh, had 38 points to 32 for New Orleans. That's the only game, or that's the only quarter where the Raptors were able to really get loose offensively. And yeah, Chris was, you know, the energy was strong. Obviously, he knocked down a three as well. I think the rebounding and the transition pushes are good. But more than anything else, like I just thought he was able to to make a couple of good cuts, things like that. Now, there's a lot of cutting in this game because the Raptors kind of went away from the pick and roll. Just, you know, it just wasn't really there. They don't have the opportunity to play pick and roll here, but a lot of good cutting, a lot of good off-ball movement. Chris Boucher being the beneficiary of that, getting on transition, he's very good in that stretch as well. I thought and defensively, he flew around, right? He contested a lot of threes, blocked one of them, but, you know, I thought he played his role well, 23 minutes, no complaints at all, 9 and 8 for Chris Boucher. Um, and again, that dunk was just, I'm not going to forget that dunk. That's one of the plays of the year by a Raptors player. I, I could not believe it. He picked up his dribble 10 feet beyond the three-point line, didn't travel super clean on the whole sequence, and dunked it jumping up from the free throw line. Just an incredible play. For Precious, I thought maybe he struggled a little bit to find his spots. A lot of opportunities where the Raptors are flowing and they're moving the ball on offense, and then it gets stuck with Precious at the top. And Precious wouldn't really take the three. In fact, he, so he was 0 for 1 from 3 today. Another play where he had a wide-open three on a kickout, turns it down, steps inside for a mid-range pull-up, and he airballs it by, like, two feet short, right? So clearly he wasn't really trusting the jumper. This is not a moment right now where Precious is really willing to take the three at a more consistent level. He, last year at this time, was definitely pulling the trigger on these threes. was in a much better rhythm. Right now, he's clearly turning down a lot of these threes. And so that's going to bring a disruption to your offense. Um, you know, I, I think the, the, the plays that I did like from Precious was him taking it strong at guys, you know? And I think that for Precious right now, one thing that you see him do consistently when he's able to score on these drives, he's able to make a hard move, bump the defender, create that separation when the defender eats the bump as they're trying to stop the play and drop the drive, and the Precious composes himself and goes up for the little hook shot. Those are the best plays for Precious Achua right now. A lot of these other plays where he rushes or he tries to spin or he tries to pivot don't really work. The real what's working for him right now is the hard drive, bump, pivot, stop, go up for the little push shot. That stuff is good. And and to be honest, it wasn't easy, right? When when you saw his his baskets today, and we're only talking about two, both of those were he had to muscle against Larry Nance, who is a very, very good defender in that situation. Very mobile. Um, similar to Precious, I suppose, in a way, uh, although he's older, so he doesn't have the same athleticism as Precious, uh, but still a very athletic player in his own right. Um uh, He's very good as a defender, and so Precious to actually drive on him and score and muscle him um, was good. I, I just think that there are other aspects that he really needs to come around. His three-point shot, if that comes around, it's going to really, really help his game. You can say that about a lot of Raptors, but I think especially for Precious, um, especially in the situation right now where he's no longer the center as much, right? He's also in a situation where he he's not willing to take the catch-and-shoot threes. So unless guys are giving you wide-open shots because the defense is doubling, you know, Fred or the, doubling Gary or, Gary or doubling Pascal or doubling Scotty and they're finding Precious, he's going to have to get his own baskets a, a couple times here or there. And, and that's where he's going to have to rely on that improved finishing. So kind of an up-and-down game for Precious. And then I thought, Nick, really great job introducing Jeff Downton Jr. into this game. I have no idea if he intended to played Jeff at the start of the game when he was planning for it in the days leading up to it, when, when Fred was available. You know, Nick was happily saying, oh, everyone's available today, everyone's healthy. And and then, of course, Fred misses the game shortly before tip-off due to personal reasons. Again, I hope everything's okay. Um, I don't know if he intended to use Jeff Down today, but I like the fact that he brought Jeff Down in to get comfortable early in the game. 
four-minute mark of the first quarter, Nick Nurse is already putting a Jeff down. And Delano Banton, he's down on the 905 right now. And Malachi Flynn, he's there for emergencies. Jeff Down, you got this chance here. What can you do? And, you know, I thought Jeff really played within himself. I thought the ball pressure was good. The defense was good, as, as you expect from him these days. Um, he's already developed that bit of a reputation. It's unfortunate because as a two-way player, he got called for some phantom fouls. I didn't like those. I don't like that CJ McCollum drives into him and he's just able to flail his arms and get free throws. I don't like that. Just because Jeff Downs a two-way player does not mean he does not have the right to play defense. But at the same time, I thought he put good pressure on the ball and you needed somebody to guard CJ, especially in the minutes that Scotty was sitting. You need someone to run point the minutes that Scotty was sitting. Even with Scotty in the game, you needed someone to run point with him. And I thought Jeff did a great job today. Two of four from the field, made a catch and shoot corner three, which was nice. I like that he took it to the basket. There was one play where, um, you know, he was bringing the ball up and CJ was sort of just backing off of him a little bit, expecting him to sort of just bring the ball up and set up the play and wait in the corner or whatever. Jeff sees this and he's just like, you know what? doesn't matter. Okay, the play is not for me. Guess what? You got to respect me. I'm going to take you all the way to the basket. And he, he locks CJ on, his, on the outside of his body and uses the slight height advantage that he has and finishes the layup. Very, very simple thing. But here's the thing. How many times do you see the Raptors actually do that, right? Where your point guard is able to just see that opportunity and just take it in quick for the, for the layup, right? Scotty does it occasionally. Fred does it occasionally. But we know Fred can't really create that separation at the rim that easily. Jeff Downey is a bigger guard. He's able to handle. He doesn't turn the ball over, and he made a good read like that. And he made another read like that in the second half where he missed the layup, but the Raptors were able to get in the tip back because he brought the defenders to him uh, for his first shot. So I, I really liked it. I liked the extra passes that he made as well, a couple of nice plays to set up a dunk, a drive against a closeout, and then a little dish at the end after getting the defenders to jump right for the dunk. So I liked it. I really liked it. And I would love to see Nick continue to use Jeff Down in the rotation. Um, you know, this has been such a big point um, that we have sort of focused on all season. We focused on it last year as well. Who's going to be that backup for Fred? Well, today, Fred wasn't even there. Um, so you really need to go with somebody. And it seems like right now, you know, they I mean, the Raptors know, right? OK, yeah, the 905 are playing the same time as the Raptors. Lano, you're going on this road trip, right? You got to get more seasoning down there. Jeff Down, he's shown me a lot in the 905. He's been one of their best players all season. And then he comes up here. And even though we've seen him in very limited doses, I like what I'm seeing. And I hope that they give more chances to him. Doesn't take that many shots. Obviously, Malachi, when he comes in, he's looking to gun. He's looking to shoot. He's not really a, much of a playmaker. Um, defensively, he can be a little pesky, but not the same way that Jeff Downton is. Jeff is just bigger and, and taller and has more length. It's Jeff's turn to get a shot, though, right? Ma Malachi got that shot. He, he was hot for like three weeks. We had the interview with him, and then he missed like 10 of the next 11 threes. Um, and it wasn't going well for him. Delano had a shot at the start of the year. He had a shot midway through the season as well. You know, he's getting down to the 905. It's Jeff Downton's turn. And even though this is not anybody's idea of a, you know, we're not going to see no box score or graphic or anything like that with Jeff Downton, five points, one rebound, three assists. Thought he made winning plays throughout the course of the game. Played his role well. And yeah, I would just like to see more of it. So, I mean, overall, like it, it was a strong game. It was a strong, you know, defensive effort. Um, again, you got to really credit um, how much defense um, OG and, and Scotty played on ball against Ingram and CJ. Again, those were every single possession for the Pelicans. Um, and the Pelicans, by the way, are, are not a very good offense, right? They've been really, really gummy in, in, on offense. They're not really shooting the three that well. Thought they started getting hot a little bit. But ultimately, you know, I, I didn't feel like the, the Pelicans were that huge of a threat from three. A lot of their catch-and-shoot corner three-point guys were missing those. 
Um, Trey Murphy the third, for example, only one of five from three. Um, you know, stuff like that. Josh Richardson, two of six. Um, but, you know, the Raptors were able to, to at least lock in defensively in the moments they needed to. And even though the fourth quarter, it was a real, really strong push by the Pelican, you just have to tip your cap to them sometimes, man. Like, uh, what can you do when you go back and watch some of those Ingram jumpers? Aside from one where he walked up and pulled up for three, which was not a good, not good, right? And that's that's definitely on the Raptors defensively. You go back and watch some of these makes; they're so heavily contested, and he makes them. So sometimes you just gotta, you know, tip your cap a little bit. But um, I thought overall the Raptors played a very comprehensive game. And yeah, when you think about it, you know, in the four games since the trade deadline with Jakoperto in the lineup, and whatever OG's been in, OG's been out, Fred's been in, Fred's been out, you know, all that kind of stuff. They've looked good, though. They they have looked good. Realistically, they should be four and zero. They're three and one instead. But they've they've held the lead for extended stretches in all, in all four games, and um, yeah, we just got to keep making these pushes. I mean, obviously, closing out games is not never going to be easy, and you're going to have to, you know, I mean, you had you have to withstand some scares in this game. But uh, the Raptors toughed it out, and um, yeah, I mean, overall, I just thought the vibes in the building were excellent. I got to say, like, um, in terms of like. Um, obviously, you know, we go to all the Raptors home games and all that stuff. And, um, you know, the Raptors always definitely make an effort to, to put on a show, um, not just obviously with the basketball, but, you know, with the game ops and stuff like that. Um, but I, I thought it was so well done today from, from start to finish. Um, every, you know, handing out towels, I think, was, was a really, really um, great sight in this game. It kind of felt like a playoff game when you walked in. You're like, whoa, everyone's seed has like, you know, the white towel on it. But then I realized immediately what was going on, right? It was Caribbean Heritage Night, a lot of, like, jump and wave, a lot of, like, waving the towels and stuff like that. It just it made for a really, really cool atmosphere in the building. The music and the, the halftime was excellent. Um, they had Kevin Little play between the first and second quarters. And obviously, being Kevin Little, he, you know, you only heard Turn Me On, which is a, a classic ever since, like, 2004. You know, definitely uh, everybody in the GTA has probably caught a bubble to, to that at a grade nine dance. If, if you're born anytime between 1980 and 19... 96 let's say um but yeah no we had kevin little playing between the first and second quarters the raptors actually got called for a delay of game because i think kevin little went on a little bit too long <laughs> with the performance uh but yeah no man the vibe in the building was excellent and, and the energy was great that the presentations are great i thought it was just a great celebration of like a very very important part of toronto's heritage like when you really think about toronto as the community um and i know this is the case elsewhere as well in canada but especially in toronto like it's just such a dominant culture, right? And, and whether that's, you know, Jamaicans or Trinis or, 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 or where else, man. But, like, it, it, the vibe in the building was, was very much like that. And, you know, a lot of these games in Toronto this year have not been so fun, mostly because of the on-court product. Um, you know, but the Raptors' defense was there. The celebration was there. The shot-making was there. Jakob Pertl making putbacks was there. Gary Trent with a huge three, even though he was cold throughout the game, was there. And, yeah, you know, in the end, we get this win. So in order to wrap up the show, your three stars from tonight's uh, performance. Your first star is going to Pascal Siakam. I mean, look, listen, I, I, there's definitely an urge for me to give it to Jakob. But Pascal's play creation in this game was just so needed. A lot of these half-court possessions would have gone nowhere without him. And that's no disrespect to anyone else. It's just sort of like the availability of the players and sort of the way this roster is made up. But you need a Pascal in these mid-range looks. You need a Pascal to, to finish and transition. Nice little Euro. Turn around jumper. Draw the foul and one. Um, completed as well. The extra passes. One turnover, even though he had the ball a lot in this game. You know, ran the point for you. Was the score for you. Played some good defense for you as well. You know, did everything except for really make this three consistently. And one for five is... 
whatever. He makes one more. That's a good three-point shooting night. So thought Pascal was your first star. 26 points, four rebounds, uh, five assists, nine of 21 shooting from the field, seven of eight from the free throw line. Uh, I thought your second star, this, you got to give it to Jakob Proto here. I mean, 21 points, 18 rebounds, two assists, three steals, a block, nine of 11 shooting from the field, three or seven from the free throw line, which you can forgive, especially when he makes the key ones. Again, that free throw to turn it from a three-point game to a four-point game with under a minute left. That's what you needed. That's not all you needed, but that's pretty much what you needed. And he delivered that for you. So, um, yeah, I just thought, yeah, I mean, the fourth quarter scoring as well, the putbacks, all that kind of stuff, the block, the winning, the tip. I mean, just so many little winning plays that were very, very key uh, to the performance tonight. And then your third star, I'm going to give it to Scotty. Um, you know, I, I thought, uh, like I said, like I, I think his defense on CJ was very, very important. That was a very, very hard job. And the Raptors always trust him with those opportunities. Um, you know, 18 points, five rebounds, three assists, three steals, a block. Very balanced effort. You know, knocked down some catch-and-shoot threes, set up the plays, uh, four or four from the free throw line, six or 13 from the field. You know, obviously there are moments of in, in, indecisiveness or, or not as aggressive at the start of games. Like, you could definitely feel that, and you could definitely say, like, okay, we want him to be aggressive for 48 minutes. But we have seen a lot of Scotty Barnes now, right, especially as a member of the Raptors seen a lot of him we know his pattern his, his focus and sort of the rhythm that he plays with it sometimes takes some time to ease into the game but he will eventually ease into the game right sometimes it might take as late as the fourth quarter but I thought you know Scotty got going in the second quarter and and just getting started a little bit earlier as well picking your spots as a score a little bit earlier as well really helps his overall game but I thought he played on both ends really well and yeah, I mean, a lot of guys played well. Even Gary, for example. Like, I, I thought he made a lot of extra passes today, and only one of them was actually set up for, for a shot. I think Scotty is actually able to catch a shoot for that three as well. But, yeah, I thought Gary actually made a lot of extra passes. Like, it doesn't look that way when you look at one assist in the box score, and you're like, okay, typical Gary, 18 points, zero rebounds, one assist, two steals. Like, that's a classic Gary stat line. But I thought Gary actually made a couple of extra passes today. I thought, obviously, he made the big three at the end there. Chris Boucher could have gotten this as well with that huge uh, – dunk i mean that's a dunk of the year from the raptors perspective but uh yeah overall just a great game in terms of your gerald henderson award winner i don't i don't really know who to really give it to because it wasn't like anybody else really stepped up in that kind of way so i guess i'll just give it to ingram i mean 36 points it's not just that ingram scored 36 because honestly most games if you give ingram 27 shots he'll score 36 but i found it interesting that the raptors didn't hard trap ingram that much Right? Because the Raptors approach generally defensively is double the star, double the star, double the star, and give up lots of corner threes. They didn't double Ingram that much. They didn't double CJ McCollum that much. They allowed to, themselves to play defense in a more traditional setup, more two-on-two. And yes, those guys were able to get shots off. But the overall offense for the Pelicans, until the fourth quarter, when they started making all sorts of contested jumpers, was not that good. And that's a very different approach than how the Raptors would have played them previously, where the Raptors hard trap and double and force the ball out of these guys' hands. That's a valid way to play, but I think the Raptors were much more comfortable playing in a more standard pick-and-roll coverage because of the fact that they had Jakob Proto. But listen, Jakob, uh, the reason I'm giving Ingram the, the Gerald Henderson is because of how great the defense was by OG against Ingram on some of these late shots, and he just made all of them. And, I mean, what can you say? That's That's tough. That's really, really tough, so... Uh, that does for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. As always, rate, review, subscribe. The podcast is back. Raptor Show is back. We had an interview with Gary Trent Jr. If you haven't checked that out, listen to Thursday's episode with Gary. And uh, yeah, you know, the Raptors play two games this weekend, and I'll be back to uh, to recap those. So thanks to everyone once again for listening, and uh, you know, tune into the Raptor Show tomorrow.